With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. All right, all right. I'm going to go there. I think it's time. Coronavirus. We're going to talk about it right now briefly so we don't have to talk about it again because it's everywhere. Mm. We really want everything we do to be a respite we, from, from whatever's going on yeah. in your political discussion or whatever you're having a fight about, or whatever you're getting riled up about. We want to talk cars, love of cars here. We won't talk about all of the other things that make life hard. Whatever your life is, there's stresses in your life. That's not what we want to bring here. However, there's so much going on. We should at least say this is a unique moment in human history or at least modern history. Mm-hmm. Definitely mm-hmm. modern history. We want everyone to be safe. Here's our acknowledgement for a few minutes, and then we will not speak of it again. Life's going to go on, folks. Right now, we're hoarding toilet paper. But I'll tell you good news. Anything that happens in life, we actually think you can have a little bit of levity about it. So ponder this for a second. Social distancing is something we all do when we drive the car we love. We're being socially point. distanced. That's a good and point. Nobody knew that terminology until it's a ridiculous, week ago, by the way. It? And flattening the curve, yes. that's actually good driving. You, 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 you try to take that apex and you try to, try <laughs> From to straighten corner that corner into cur- track out. You try to tra- straighten that curve. Yeah. Let's flatten the curve while we're yep. out there. If you've got a quarantine in your area, if you're supposed to have closures, we recommend you respect that stuff. Stay safe. We work from home unless we're driving a car where we're social distancing. So it works out great. Please keep in mind, we expect things to normalize. We are not going to dwell on this here. We are healthy. We hope you are healthy. Otherwise, our work's hoping to be an escape from all of this. Look, to add to that real quickly, before we move on, that is the timelessness of our work. Mm-hmm. And it has very much to do in the writing that you're going to be seeing on the website to mm-hmm. all of our videos, mm-hmm. the timelessness of not mentioning pop culture or world events in any of our mm-hmm. videos, mm-hmm. because people use these for shopping tools and, as you said, a respite from everything in their yeah. lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So look back at the three generations of the Z car from over a decade ago as of this recording. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People are still finding that, still watching it because Mm -hmm. they're still being shopped. (laughs) And things that you and I said are still relevant as to how we feel about how those cars drive. And so I want our work to be timeless in that sense. Mm -hmm, No mm -hmm. pop culture, no world events. And that's why you hear us actually avoid it because we're with you. We just want to talk cars. So Mm -hmm. we are acknowledging this moment in time. Yep. And my headspace is for you listening to this episode two, three, four, ten years from now, from point of recording, that you're just hearing a love of cars Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. whatever happens on the planet, whatever happens worldwide. I want everybody to have a great, fun car. That's what we want for you. Totally, totally. You love your car to drive whatever happens in the car space. There's plenty of places for you to get your news and your politics and to, to rant about whatever is on your mind, which, That's, which is valid. Not here. Totally valid, but we're not going to do that here. Some of yeah. you have actually written to us over the years and just said you appreciate the fact that we don't do that stuff. That, that's how we feel as well. So we're glad to have you with us. On the lines of we expect all of this to eventually go away and normalize, it's official. We have opened up Pilgrimage 2020. We are going to Germany and Belgium. I realize in this moment you think, what are you doing? But six months from now is when the trip is. Exactly. We've already also had the first people sign up. So just so you know, under the Adventures tab on our website, everydaydriver.com, the Adventures tab, Pilgrimage 2020 is live. We are taking people. There is a mention on there of our plans related to the changing reality of coronavirus. But our expectation is we're going, we're doing the ring and spa again. Actually, this year it's spa first, then the ring. Not that it matters. It's still going to be crazy fun. It changes every year. Whatever. Absolutely. We're going to have an incredible amount of fun doing that. So it is open now. A few of you have actually written us in the last two weeks and said, when is it opening? Time is now. We're going to go. We may not go to Iberia, but we're going to Germany and Belgium. Okay, so here's what you do. You go to the website first, everydaydriver.com, and right in the middle you see Adventures, and Pilgrimage is now open, so it's August 2 to 6, 2020. Mm-hmm. You've got the frequently asked questions on there that's you know based on on our experience in the past so this is all inclusive if you've been thinking about this if vacations have been canceled at this point Mm -hmm, and you mm -hmm. still have airline tickets to direct to a trip you want to put them (laughs) somewhere that's a very good point postpone that kitchen remodel don't remodel the bathroom (laughs) now is the time and we want to share this with you because we're excited to go Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and this just dominates our thinking every year we get constant emails 
And people say, hey, you going to do that trip again? Yes, we are. Mm -hmm. And unless something changes, as you said, which is covered in the frequently asked questions, yep. we are going. Keep in mind, while you're on the website, while you're there, other new stuff is happening. Yeah. We now have writers that have come on board for us. There will be new written content every Monday and Wednesday, which means... Well, right now, while the TV season's up on Saturdays, Monday through Saturday, there's new content from us six days a week. There'll be writing, and then, of course, Happy Tuesday. This is your Tuesday podcast. Tomorrow, there'll be another article. Then there'll be a YouTube video on Thursday, another podcast on Friday, and even an episode on Motor Trend on Saturday. So we're doing a lot. We're very excited about this new writing coming on. Chris Teague has written our first piece uh, piece on the new EcoBoost. Uh, pardon me. The EcoDiesel Wrangler is up as of right now. <laughs> EcoBoost, EcoDiesel. Yeah. Exactly. Pick one. They're all, they're all One's something. diesel, one's a turbo. Exactly. They're all, they're, there's an Eco in every car, car manufacturer's lineup at this point, exactly. unless you're Tesla. And then if you're Porsche, you just call it a turbo. But the point is yeah new writing yeah. is coming we're very excited about that we're glad for those guys coming on board and and actually they're going to be sharing some of their thoughts and interacting with some of our patrons through discord as well which is also very cool we're longtime users and big believers in griot's garage car care products that's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products griot's garage has developed manufactured and bottled bespoke car care products since 1990 in fact, many of their first customers were collector cars displayed at Pebble Beach. Griot's is a family company based in Washington State, still dedicated to having the best products for every car in every budget. As a matter of fact, I learned my certified Paul Own car care style from Griot's. We've both used Griot's Garage car care products on our own cars for over 20 years, and we wouldn't use anything else. If you're wondering how to get going, they offer free training and techniques through their videos and website and starter kits to help your car look its best. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made in the USA. They offer a 100% lifetime guarantee, so give them a try. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EVERYDAY for 10% off your order. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. All right, jumping into the topic Tuesday for today comes from Mikey Fourbarrel, not too long ago, who wrote to us about our debate optimism. Are we too optimistic when we recommend cars to you <laughs> that might have mechanical problems in their mm -hmm. future? Yeah, I hear you. This is very exciting. I love I, this. It's really, it's a great really question. It's a really cool in. question. I like it. We've also got a debate from Chris in Southern California who's relocating from Phoenix, but all he might have relocated by the time he hears this. Chris, if that's the case and you've already bought something, that's okay because I look at your email as timeless and relevant to so many other listeners yeah. in the same position that I want to get to your debate. If you haven't and you still pick something, great. But yeah, if you've yeah. already bought something, see how it aligns up with what we suggest. But really, Chris is wondering, do I throw in the towel? Do I just get a sporty performance SUV mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because of my life situation? So we'll detail that That'll in just a little bit. But we do have to get to this. Too much debate optimism. This is <laughs> this is new. Mikey, well done. Great I, question. I, I, am, I am known in my family for being quite the cynic. So to see me being accused of being too optimistic about anything, I find quite funny. But let's, uh, let's unpack this anyway. All right. So Mikey writes to us. He says, hi, Paul. Hi, Todd. I appreciate the positivity and genuine love for driving that we share. And he always appreciates the recommendations that we come up with for listeners. But he says, sometimes it makes me wonder if he worries too much about reliability and mm. ownership costs, mm. or if we're both slightly crazy with some of our suggestions. Probably all of the above. Little out of column A, little out of column yes. B. <laughs> His car ownership history includes some amazingly trouble-free cars. My brother-in-law would be delighted to hear that he mm -hmm. has an 89 Saab 900 that was perfectly reliable, up to 225,000 miles. Mm -hmm. He didn't tell us what happened afterwards. Did it implode? True. Did the true, engine true. fall out of the car? Well, he also doesn't tell us what money he spent and what he replaced to uh, keep that's it a good running point. to 225,000 miles. Uh, it's not like point. he bought it and drove it 225,000 miles and didn't do anything but put gas <laughs> like, in it. I didn't change that, the oil. 225,000 miles. That didn't happen, yeah. by the way. Yeah. He also had a 97 Miata that he misses dearly that was mechanically flawless but sadly rusty. Mm -hmm. He sold it at 246,000 miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. said, so then there's the old Dodge Dart he's had since he was 17. He's 42 now with a 318 that needed nothing but basic maintenance and never missed a beat for 150,000 miles. Okay. All right. It only got a new engine when he got bored with a small V8. <laughs> it's got a new engine because of his problems, not yeah, the car. Yeah, his boredom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The car didn't get bored. Mm -hmm. And finally, he recently sold his trouble-free 200,000-mile 96 XJ Cherokee six-cylinder with a manual to make room in his driveway for a brand new 
WRX. There's so much to say here. There's so much to talk about. I love it. He says, maybe he's been spoiled by reliable, lovable cars, but when he hears us suggest a car like an E93 or E90 series BMW M3 or something similarly prone to expletive-generating maintenance costs Mm -hmm. and wallet-melting repair bills. Good description. I like that. He grinds his teeth. Mm -hmm. These are cars that he would love to own, but he's written off as being too complex and costly to ever enjoy mm-hmm. he says he he would spend too much of his time anticipating the next failure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so how do we factor all this information <laughs> into our recommendations are yeah. the cars that we don't mention because they're too risky will it affect our recommendations if and when things go bad with both the faint and the maserati <laughs> and for todd did the sad fate of the dual clutch turbo lancer impact his advice. Isn't that interesting, these questions that Mikey's asking? I love this, specifically the fact that he's saying, these ridiculous old sedans and my uh, Lancer that blew up, aren't we thinking about this twice now? Well, I he love says, it. or, you know, should I just throw caution to the wind and really take another look at that twin-turbo all-wheel drive Mitsubishi 3000 GT Spider with the four-wheel steering and the power-retracting hardtop? <laughs> Sure. Why not? Yes. Why not? I, I think this is, this is fantastic, Mike. Uh, here's Lots here, to unpack. Yeah, there's so much here, man. Uh, the big headline for me, and I want to unpack it a few different ways. Big headline for me is you're asking a question of personal tolerance. What is yeah. your personal pain yep. tolerance, yep. financial pain tolerance? And I'm going to go to the cliched comment, commentary. You hear comics talk about it. It's been talked about forever. And that is you, have, you fall in love with a high-maintenance person or a low-maintenance person. Okay. Okay, and and the joke this I, look I'm gonna go stereotypical. The joke is that the high maintenance person is the gorgeous supermodel, mm. and the low maintenance person, they're fine, <laughs> they're fine, and and you debate, but don't I really want the supermodel? You debate the the maintenance level. Okay, yeah, this is yeah. the ongoing joke. This this is the reality of cars as well. It, and I'm painting with a broad brush, but generally, the more reliable cars are more bland to drive. Not always. It's a sweeping generalization, but it's also true. And the thing I also find funny is, let me back up to actually your list of cars, and then I want to hand it off to you for a bit, Paul, but I've got other thoughts later. The Saab 900 Mm. is not known to be reliable. (laughs) Not really. You had a reliable one. It was not known for it. The 97 Miata that you say was incredibly reliable, you mentioned, but it was a bit rusty. There are people out there that would have declared that car terribly because it was rusty. Sure. But you declare it as awesome. Okay, so you're talking perspective. I'm totally talking perspective. And personal ability to essentially just... Take the pain. Mm, And and look, I've had reliable cars. I've had unreliable cars. I had an Audi 90 that couldn't get out of the shop. Okay. But the reasons I didn't like it actually weren't that. Mm -hmm, I had a, mm -hmm. uh, my wife and I had a GMC Yukon. We drove to 260,000 miles and traded it in cash for clunkers. Okay. Keep forgetting about that. That's the only reason we traded it in is we we could get like four times what it was worth. It was still running. Absolutely. Everything was still fine. It was just the cash for clunkers deal. Yeah. Yeah. We'd done, and we'd owned it for, we bought it at 60,000 miles. We put 200,000 miles on it ourselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We did a transmission and otherwise it was oil, tires, and and, uh, normal maintenance. It was nothing else. So crazy. Okay. But now I have a $5,000 Volkswagen Phaeton, <laughs> which is, let's be honest, you're buying a planter on wheels. This shouldn't work. You have a ridiculous Maserati that shouldn't work, and they're both currently running. The R, the R word you're looking for is reliable. And there's Maserati. a little asterisk by that. Yeah. Uh, not, has not yet broken is the next part of it. <laughs> but, but what we're all talking about here, and, and there's further to go, but what we're all talking about here is what is your personal level of tolerance? And I think the average person that has a real budget, doesn't have just crazy money to fix whatever, that has real budget, real money, the difference between the person that only buys a Lexus product and the person that buys a crazy Italian product, to use generalizations again. Okay. Like is Maseratis? The, is, exactly. Is the person that goes, I want to take that risk because I like that driving experience so much better, so I'm willing to take the risk. Mm-hmm. There's not a right or wrong there. But there is a tolerance level. There's almost a graph coming on. There's a pie chart or a bar graph or something that needs to be made about <laughs> That's what we need. the balance. It's the scales of justice. Mm-hmm. Over here on one hand is fun. Over here on the other hand is reliable. Mm-hmm. And sometimes ne'er the twain shall meet. So you have to come down to your own tolerance. Mm. And the reason we suggest the far out, whatever those suggestions are, well, we might pull it back with, okay, Mazda, you know, or Honda, or Japanese something, great. Yeah, it'll run. Yeah, yeah. It'll be great. 
And then we also suggest usually some can, you know, something crazy because we don't know that person's personal tolerance. That's we can great. kind of excellent. extrapolate out of their email, but we don't really know how they're feeling that day. You woke up, your mm -hmm. eyelash hurts, and you are ready to spend money on something crazy because <laughs> life is short yep. and let's do it. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, oh yeah, budgets and house payment and family and mm -hmm. the kids. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't even think about that. What am yeah. I doing? Yeah, totally. And every and everybody's different there. For sure. Yeah. Definitely. So all I can do is relate my own stories to you here, Mikey. Starting with the Porsche 928. Okay. The serpentine belt on that car, the timing belt, mm -hmm. is buried. If I had known about the serpentine belt before I bought that car, I probably wouldn't have bought that car. Interesting point. It is seven feet long. It is one continuous <laughs> loop of seven feet of rubber that's about an inch and a quarter wide. Yeah, yeah. And it's buried behind the two camshaft covers and the water pump and mm -hmm. everything on the. It it takes a day to get down in there. It's the reason to not buy the car. So this timing belt doesn't break; it stretches. Oh no! That's oh, what belts no. generally do, and that's yeah. why they say change the belt because of. Age mm -hmm. and wear and heat, all those things destroy the belt, but they don't break. They stretch. And Yikes. if they stretch, they slip a cog on your mm. overhead cam. And the car that I had was called an interference engine. Mm -hmm. That simply mm -hmm. means the pistons hit the valves. The pistons interfere with the valves when the timing is one cog off. Mm. And I think, mm -hmm. well, is it going to do it at like 6,500? Is it going to jump at 3,000? Is my belt too stretched? And you think, well, that's what the tensioner's for. It's an oil-filled, super overly engineered and complicated tensioner. Mm, mm -hmm. But it works well when it's working. So people rebuild their Porsche 928 tensioners just to have all the springs and the <laughs> oil activating fun. just perfectly. That's hysterical. So their belt won't stretch. Interesting. Okay. And so here I am laying awake at night thinking about my tensioner. <laughs> I'm not thinking about the belt. I'm thinking about, is my tensioner okay? Do I need to show love to my tensioner? Little tidy, a shirt with what little are, tidy letters says, ask me about my tensioner. Yeah. Unbelievable. And to be honest, I was freaked out mm. for the first good two or three months because I, really? I dove into it and I thought, I want to learn how to take care of the car. Oh, no. I want to do my own maintenance because it's Porsche dealership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They think, oh, you know, a kid with a Porsche, they'll yeah, never yeah. see me coming and they'll overcharge me. And, you know, so I learned how to change the oil. I learned how to do brakes. I learned how to do stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. on that car. Five liters of German thunder with a seven-foot-long timing belt. Oh. That is scary stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then as I grew to love the car and I had it more, I, and I was not making very much money at this point. I'm not yeah. making much money now, but anyway. But no, I remember. This This I was, was an early car for you. In a yeah, hole. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I took the wrong move and I bought the car anyway. I, I was kind of stupid, but I wanted it. Mm-hmm. And that was right about the time Todd and I discovered our love for driving. It was yep. shortly after yep. he got his 300Z. Yes, absolutely. And then suddenly we both had these cars we couldn't really afford, didn't deserve, and yeah. were frightened to own. Yeah. And they were amazing. We discovered tires. We discovered canyon roads. Mm -hmm. We totally. discovered driving for no particular reason at totally. all. Totally, yes. And also, I'll go we went further. That is the initial spark that leads to this show. It led to the show. And so the timing belt, the serpentine belt is scary stuff. Mm -hmm. You read forums, mm -hmm. you talk to owners. There was one 928 owners club meeting that was just the health and feeding of your belt. Good grief. I was just like, what? I can't even enjoy the car. I had it three years and yeah. I still wish I had it. That leads me to my 987 Cayman S. Okay. Yeah. For all internet reasons, I shouldn't have owned that car because of the IMS failure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't really find out about it until after I bought the car. Yeah. I read a few things and I thought, okay, that's just an esoteric kind of, that doesn't really mm -hmm. happen to cars. <laughs> and then I bought the car. I loved it. And then I found out, well, that actually happens. Oof. Oh no. Yeah. I can't yeah, yeah. afford a $15,000 engine rebuild. What if my engine blows yeah. and I'm yeah, yeah. stuck with this car making payments on? Mm -hmm. Yikes. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, okay, I... I want to drive it. I want to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And if that should happen, what would I do? I'd start leaning on friends, forums, the people that I've made friends with in the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, I bet you I'd be okay if something happened. And I just started to take it towards Redline more and more. And mm -hmm. then come to find out the cars that the problem happens to are the ones that sit. The ones yeah. that are driven really yeah. hard are fine. Usually, usually. Generally, you're right. That, that They typically were either over-tracked or never driven at all. Chances 150,000 yeah. mile 911 has had plenty of little things he needed to do to it, but not the IMS. It just keeps running. Car runs. Yeah. 
And so I thought, well, I'm, I'm actually doing good for my car by wringing it out and <laughs> driving it hard. Yeah. And then I'd pull it back in and the car drives better. Inexplicably, Porsches drive better the harder you use them. I can't explain it. It is weird. They get weird. better mm-hmm. the more you beat on them, mm-hmm. which is so weird. You want to baby it and don't. It'll introduce a new creak and rattle because the chassis will twist in just a weird way and it'll creak and it drive it. Mm-hmm. I used to be that person. And so both of the, these cars taught me because I was in no position financially to own them mm-hmm. if something went wrong. And I'm very thankful nothing ever did. And I miss both those cars and I would own mm-hmm. them again at a mm-hmm. heartbeat. And if something were to happen, okay. Because then I went on to buy a brand new Jeep Grand Cherokee in 2015 with a warranty. Yeah. It was a dog. And it had problems all the time. The power steering rack mm-hmm. leaked all of its fluid out, but it didn't drip because it leaked it into the boots. <laughs> you had no idea. Yeah. It, it didn't leak, uh-huh. but all the fluid was sitting in those rubber boots that just yeah, cover yeah. up the, the dust boots. Yeah. I had no idea. And the steering was grown. I'm like, what on earth? The entire head unit just completely stopped. It mm-hmm. failed. Brand was, new car. Wasn't that the first brand new car you'd ever bought, pretty much? That I've ever bought in yeah. my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, well, <laughs> there's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. So therefore, mm-hmm. I went out and bought a Maserati Quattroporte. That, that's all you solved Maserati. that problem. Yeah. Solved that. I showed everybody. Yeah. Well, but I mean, up I, until now. I, I, love, we'll I love all of these stories. I mean, here's the thing. I, I, with the exception of the Acadia that we bought, we haven't bought new either. And those Acadias, we bought one in 09. That mm-hmm. was the first year of the mm-hmm. GMC Acadia. While we had it, it was good. But they've, they're have they known for uh, – what, what is it that goes wrong? <laughs> Anything. No, but there's there's a series of, of like known issues with that car okay. now. Okay? Right. When we had it, we didn't have them. But my point is, if you go through the cars you've owned, Mikey, mm. or any car you choose to pick, this is the downside to forums. <laughs> because you go to any car you, yeah. you pick, and it yeah. will have known issues. And the known issues will be terrifying. Yeah. But there is a difference between known issues and guaranteed issues. Definitely. And Definitely. also, there's also the, the reality of what do you tolerate? Because you mm-hmm. have a known issue with the startup on your Maserati. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Isn't the fix like six or eight grand? Something like that. And that's yeah. probably on the low end. Yeah. So we're not spending that and we continue to drive the car. There's stuff that Crazy. I could pay to get chased on the Phaeton. It's a $5,000 car. I'm not doing it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but you went into that purchase with your eyes wide open about totally. the suspension, at least on the front, is known to fail. Yes. It's not if but when. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get this car. Yeah. Let's hope it runs. And it failed. And it failed. Yeah. You went, okay, I'm ready for that. That stinks, but mm-hmm. all right. Well, that brings up another thought. I, I would personally rather have a car. Take price out of the equation for just a second. You can have a car that is inexpensive but constantly needs stuff, and that stuff that it constantly needs is also cheap. I would rather have a car that the maintenance intervals are much more expensive. My wife's Cayenne sure. is expensive to maintain, Yes, but random stuff doesn't break. You found that out recently with what went wrong just recently? Uh, like 1200 bucks? A, yeah, it had, it's ridiculous. The, the PVC valve had to be replaced. And it was part, built into another it's part. It's part of and, the, the valve, head, valve cover. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, that's pretty awesome. I really don't like Porsche for that, but that was something they've since changed design-wise, but at the time... Uh, of course they have. Yeah, so there's that. So I mean, this, But this is the thing. It's been a great truck. My wife loves it. It's been incredibly reliable. It's only had a couple little surprises in nearly five years of ownership. I'll take those odds. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'll take those odds. For the trade-off of how much she loves it. We, and we both genuinely enjoy driving it, and it has been very good. So there is that trade-off. I, I want to talk about this, though. I want to step away from cars and explain it another way for a second. Mikey, I imagine you're like this, I and mean, it's certainly the way that I try to be, and I'm explaining it to my son as well. We don't avoid life experiences because they might be hard. And in fact, I submit to you, many of the best life experiences are difficult, have difficult moments. The the way I'm trying to explain this to my son is the difference between fun and adventure. When we go on a bike ride or we go on a hike or we go skiing, there's stuff that we do with my son. Honestly, you go go on a big strenuous hike. There's part of that hike that won't be fun. It's hard. You're sweating. It hurts. Uphill longer. How much longer is this hike? Yeah. Okay, but ultimately, the entire experience was an adventure that you enjoyed and you look back on fondly and you don't remember the fact that the hike was hard. Do you remember the fact that, did you remember the view? And, and we saw the deer and the whatever the adventure was. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to explain to my son the difference between adventure and fun. Fun is just throwaway. It sure. doesn't have a moment that was sad or difficult. Or, but an adventure, you're going to remember that adventure. And I'll give you another one. Okay, I like that. Relating this back to cars. Netflix, having an always reliable car, that is kind of boring to drive, is binge-watching Netflix. Okay. It's easy. It's safe. You just sat down on your couch. Maybe you're dressed. 
You flip the remote. <laughs> Seriously. Ideally. Seriously. You flip through the remote. You found something eventually. You binge watch the show, and it's fine, and eventually becomes kind of mind-numbing. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But having a car with known issues is going on that beautiful outdoor hike. You're gonna have to take, you're gonna have to like gather yourself up. You gotta leave the house. You gotta prepare for it. You gotta go to the hike. You gotta do the hike. It's gonna hurt. You're gonna see the thing. Your knee might hurt. You might totally. get a scrape or a rash or something worse. It would have been so much easier to stay home and watch Netflix. It would have been so much easier. It's true. But the hike creates a memory and an experience that you love in spite of the, the difficulties. And the binging on Netflix is whatever. Mikey, you gotta weigh this for yourself. But ultimately, I think the life experience of owning these cars, being aware of the issues but not fearing the issues, allows you lots of life experience that you can look back and be like, I loved that car in spite of – I'll have that about the Phaeton. Sure. I love that car in spite of the fill-in-the-big the so big asterisks there. But, but that, that is a thing. I think that is every car ownership. The only downside, the only flip side of this, I will say, I've had people write us who buy a dream car mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and now they – can't drive it because they're worried about the door ding in the parking lot. Hey, the preciousness. that's me. That used to be I know, me. I know, I know. They're worried about, I just discovered that this car has this problem. Should I get rid of it right now? If it overwhelms your thinking, your, your problem with the 928, and it, you can't enjoy it anymore because you're thinking about the whatever, you're right, you need to move on. And you've got to weigh that for yourself ahead of time, Mikey, as well. But I really think there is a thing here about take the risk to get the reward, take them both together and walk away with a life experience. This is why we recommend cars. And sometimes we will laugh about the, hey, look at the subframe or whatever, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't run away from it because it might go wrong. The Alpha Julia Quadrifoglio, I rant about all the time because I love it. Car and driver couldn't get their 40,000 mile one out of the yeah, shop while yeah. also saying, wow, this drives well. I would buy one in a heartbeat. And I think they're that. better than everybody thinks, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I'm discovering Maseratis are better than I thought. <laughs> I didn't see that coming two years ago when I sat on the podcast. None of us saw no that coming. No Maserati for me. None of us saw that coming, which is why it's so brilliant that it's happening I mean, now. All the world's wisdom says, don't buy the Maserati, you Absolutely idiot. don't buy the Maserati. And here I am. I bought the Maserati, mm-hmm. thanks to all of you, yes. to help with, with the purchase price. But I bought the Maserati. I'm living with it. I'm the one living with the stress. You're over there cackling at the Instagram posts going, you moron. What'd am, you do that for? I am for? cackling about it. But then I look at the, I look at the fate and I go, don't break, don't break, don't break, exactly. don't break. Yeah. Please start, please start, please start. Don't break, don't break. It's, it's the start. It's, it's, the, it's the suspension and the transmission hey. that will completely bend me over in that car. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're the ones taking on the anxiety yeah, over here. Yeah, yeah. But, and, you know, produ- producing content to um, satisfy Everyone. But to the point we're making yes. here is we're both finding things about those cars in spite of that anxiety that we just go, you know what I love about this? Yeah. I like truly love about driving and this car. what is that worth? What price yeah, is that great. worth to you and to Absolutely. everybody? Absolutely. So when we recommend things like an Alpha 4C, we think it's great. I think it sucks on track. True, true. But ultimately, and it might go unsaid many times, what we're trying to extrapolate is the feeling of that car. If you say, all right, guys, I see your suggestion. I can't really afford an Alpha 4C right now, even used, and it just seems like a little bit too finicky right now. But what I've gotten out of what you said is that feeling. And I found it over here in a Mark 7 GTI. Great. Sure. Yeah, yeah. If, that, yeah, yeah, if yeah. that's how you, yeah. you know, the steps that got you there, mm-hmm. that's ultimately what we're going for. In many cases, we do say, go get that car, like a Chevy SS or a, you know, 86 mm. or whatever yeah. that is. We've said yeah. that a lot. But it does come down to the personal tolerance. And we don't want to not say it if somebody can deal with that. If somebody can introduce that into their, into their lives and think, yeah, I, I guess I could live with that for the benefit and the payoff over here of, yeah. I can't believe I own that car and it's so yes. much fun and I really hate this about it, but it's so much fun and everyone yes. loves it. Yes, I can give you the top five great things and bad things about the Phaeton or the Lotus. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Cars are like for very different reasons. But it's the other thing about it. I will say this. We, we acknowledge fully we are not a financial analyst podcast. We will not give you any good financial advice because we will probably just say go buy that car. $10,000 above your budget, yeah, please go much. buy it. Pretty That's much. probably what we'll do. But, but, here's, but here's the other re- reason I say that. All of you listening already have hardwired in you that thing that says, I really shouldn't do that. We all do. About the car or the hike or the risk or the whatever. You yeah. have it. Yeah. I really shouldn't do that because of, and you can fill in your own reasons. So we're glad to be the opposite voice to just go, take the risk. We don't have to sit here and go, you know, here's the reliability issues of that. 
you probably already know. You've probably already looked it up. You've tasted the reliability or maintenance nightmares. What we're hopefully going to do is just talk you into, yeah, but here's the things you could get out of it that the forum can't tell you that you'll walk away and be like, I loved driving that car. I loved owning that car. That's why we're here. If you've got more cars than garage space, and we suspect you probably do, then you need to protect it with a custom car cover from Covercraft. We recommend the NOAA Custom Car Cover. They're each made to fit your car perfectly, and they resist moisture, but also breathe to eliminate condensation. It has four-layer protection for all weather conditions, and it protects your car from UV rays as well. The NOAA covers even have a soft inner layer, are made entirely in the USA, and come with a four-year warranty. In the worst winds we've seen, the NOAA cover stays put. Todd had one on the Lancer, and it kept the paint pristine in all conditions. I wore one out after nine years of daily use on my Audi Avant, and people always asked how I kept it so nice. Plus, you can defend your interior against kids and dogs and spills and any weekend adventure you might have in the mud and snow with custom seat covers from Covercraft. You can have the nicest car all winter long with help from our friends at Covercraft. And you can get 10% off your custom car cover and any Covercraft product by using the code every day right now at Covercraft.com. And it even ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com to keep your car looking its best. Chris in Southern California writes to us, as he relocates from Phoenix, Arizona, is he the perfect person for a sporty SUV? He's a longtime listener. Chris, thanks for writing in. Only the second time he's written, he said the first time he bought a Focus RS on our advice, which was a terrific car. And think about what we just came off of talking with Mikey about taking risks. That's a car that now is supposedly a don't buy because of the head gasket issue. Because of the reason. He bought it. Loved it. Loved it. I would buy one right now, by the way. It'd be a fantastic winter car. Well, he ended up selling it because it was too stiff on long long road trips to California. I can see that, actually. And climbing spots. But he does miss its crazy handling and farty exhaust. Of course. Of course you do. Yeah. Now... He will be relocating, or by the time he hears this, will have relocated to SoCal from Phoenix at the end of this month, he says, with his girlfriend and three pets. Mm -hmm. Are we talking like goldfish or big dogs? (laughs) He doesn't specify. You're right. What are we talking here? There's a big span there. You have a boa constrictor in the back. And an ocelot and a boa constrictor. (laughs) An ocelot and a boa constrictor. That's perfect. I like that a lot. All right. So he currently has a 2019 manual Mustang GT and a Ford EcoSport. If you're not familiar what a Ford EcoSport is, it wasn't introduced into the North American market until 2018. It's built all over the world, but primarily for India and Thailand and Russia and Romania. It's tiny. It's smaller than an Escape. Mm. It's tiny. So they have that. And he says this is for his girlfriend because his lovely girlfriend cannot drive the Mustang because she's short and the seating position is terrible for her. Okay. All right. right. The only manual she's driven and liked was his 2016 Miata RF. And her 2016 Focus ST, which she sold after a month because she hated driving it downtown to her workplace, mm-hmm. replaced it with the EcoSport. But depending on the size of your pets, I think all three of you and the pets can get in the EcoSport, that right? Is, that suggests itself to be the family car, which I kind of laugh about. The yeah, snake, for the yeah, snake, the snake killing and the beast, ocelot. Yeah, and for sure, yeah. something yeah. third. It's going to be great, yeah. All right. They like to rock climb. They go bouldering. They mountain bike. And in when he's getting back to California, he will pick up his old surfing habits. Okay. All he's right. been making do with putting dual suspension, his 27-and-a-half-inch mountain bike, inside the back of the Mustang. He doubts a nine-foot long board will fit inside, but that's what <laughs> roof racks are for. <laughs> exactly. Roof racks, my friend. <laughs> Not a problem. Mm-hmm. But he says, is this the point when I break down? And I just buy a sporty, quotes, Mm -hmm. SUV. Mm -hmm. They'll be living in an apartment complex in Irvine, so he's not keen on buying a second car, but he's open to suggestions. He's looking at Fiesta STs. These are Ford people right here. Uh, Clearly, yeah. He loves the Mustang. It is the best car he's ever owned, he says. Massive engine, great sound, lots of tech, big trunk. But he feels selfish having a car his girlfriend cannot drive. That's interesting, isn't it? All right. I take that. That's good. That's good. But I think the primary reason here is that he's worried about L.A. traffic and having a manual. Mm-hmm. He is mm-hmm. a recent yeah. addition yeah. to his company sales force from the engineering department. He says, it turns out I am quite good at it, but he does a ton of driving for work. Mm-hmm. What would we do in this situation? He gives you a nice budget of $45,000 <laughs> and bumps me up to fifty to fifty five because yeah. he knows that's going to happen He just gave you more, anyway. so he just thought he'd just acknowledge it. That's pretty funny. I like it. The car history includes a Forester, a Fiesta ST. Wait, you already had one? He's looking at a Fiesta ST and he already had one. Chris. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, he had a 2016 Miata RF. Can't fit sales equipment. 
2016 Focus RS, the aforementioned RS, too stiff and loud. Yep. And this 2019 Mustang GT, he says it's still forward, squeaky bits all over, but he loves the tech. He loves it. Interesting. Great sounding, right. super right. fast. So I have many, many ideas. I have very, I have incredibly think? varied ideas here. I've got stuff all over the spectrum. I'm glad because I do too. Okay, good, good, good. And I think, Chris, it has to do with the time that Todd and I both independently spent time in L.A. Mm-hmm. and lived there. Yeah, yeah. And just, you know, we only, we both have our own take on the L.A. driving madness that mm-hmm. it is. And it is the madness. fact that yes. freeways are predicated with a, prop, a preposition. Nowhere else on the planet mm-hmm. it is, is it the 5 or the mm-hmm. 405? Yeah. It's just... Interstate 405. Yes. We're going Everywhere to take else. The 101 to the 405. Because why wouldn't you? It's a living, breathing thing. It has yeah. a preposition. It's the. It has a life and a world of its own. <laughs> you're absolutely right. This is a unique thing to LA. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about, oh, you're Ford people, the Edge ST, like it's the performance sporty SUV. I thought, yeah. nah, you've got the Mustang, but Chris, you'll always be able to buy a Mustang. It's a very good point. Always. It's a very good point. In the future, looking back, you'll always be able to buy a Mustang. Will you not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. They're, they're, they're going to exist for sure. I like that you've had it. I like that you had a little bit of fun. But based on your requirements, which don't include tracking, I have not seen. They don't no. include no, no, no. You know, high-speed driving or tracking or mm-hmm. autocross or mm-hmm. any of that. Your requirements don't meet Mustangs, in my opinion. I, I see where you are. I see. Where so you therefore, are. Yeah. tough love coming at you, my friend. I think you'll be able to be, always be able to buy a Mustang, trade it in, sell it. I was thinking about CX-5s and Toyota RAV4 hybrids mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Acura RDXs, which I do like, and Edge STs, and the Volvo XC40 is certainly on my list. But then I threw those out, and I thought, well, Cayenne for 50 yeah. grand, 50 to yeah. 55? Or wait, wait, what about a Panamera or a Stinger GT or a Genesis G70? But I also threw all those away. Did you? Okay. All right. Because, Chris, I have landed on you tech. You mentioned tech, and that mm-hmm. stuck out. Okay. It was like in passing, it. but you said technology. You're an engineer, and you're going to be sitting in traffic a lot. Okay. Yeah. And I want you to look forward to the car that you own. All right. You, you go to a sales mm-hmm. meeting and mm-hmm. come back. I can't wait to sit in traffic in my car. I mean, who says that, right? Yeah. You won't, but yeah, I get it. Yeah. So... The particular car that Todd and I drove left an impression on me, but I didn't know who it was for. I've never recommended it before. I was trying oh, wow. to figure it okay. out. All right. Chris, I think it's you. Okay. It's the fully loaded Mercedes-Benz A220. Oh. The little sedan. Yeah. Or now on sale, the A35 with 300 horsepower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's going to be even more expensive. But the A220 pl- felt plenty fast, honestly. It, it was plenty really, really fast, yeah, turbocharged. Yeah. The one we had was $52,000. Yeah, it's up there. Okay. But listen to this. The new MBUX system. Every time Todd and I get in a Mercedes with it's, this. It's awesome. It's, it's really unbelievably good. good. The interaction, the traffic maps, the wireless charging, the five USB-C ports. It's one of the more stress-free cars to drive. But get this. Mm-hmm. It's still at the very high end of luxury, and it's small. It, mm-hmm. It's not the entry level. Hey, welcome to Mercedes. Good luck in your career, and maybe you'll make it to S class before you die. <laughs> Fair, okay. It's it screams luxury, and it's this cocoon. It's this respite from mm. everything that LA traffic is. It's fully wired. I mean, the tech there. Mm, you'll like never it. be feeling it's good. It's good. lonely or out of touch or not able to access information while you're mm, driving in a safe manner. Mm-hmm. It's Mercedes, small for traffic, looks great, excellent turbo power, good gas mileage. You guys can take it out for special dates. You've already got the EcoSport for the snake and the yes. koala bear and totally. the, yes. all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Your girlfriend will steal it from you. Probably, yeah. She'll be able to drive it because it's small. Mm-hmm. I think she'll fall in love with the high-end feel and the, the luxury of it. You can put a roof rack on it for bikes and boards. Yeah, yeah. But I do think you will appreciate something smaller with you know quick turbo power to dart through traffic if you need it. But you can also sit and just relax. You can mm-hmm. just kick yeah. back, yeah, yeah. and it's it's all there. It's not going to suddenly leave you bored, with, whereas a performance muscle car like the one you've got, you might think, unless I'm driving this with purpose, mm-hmm. I'm going to be bored with it. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to not like it. This, slow, fast, I don't care. You're going to love it right over this you know larger car. That's what I'm saying. So look at this A220. I wasn't sure who, who gets this, but okay. small enough for the traffic. The two of you, it's going to be perfect size. You can mm-hmm. take a dog in it. Yeah. But again, you've got another car for that already. 
Mm. And you can aspire to something else down the road. You can always come back to Mustangs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think you really would appreciate the luxury, the tech, the newness that is the new direction Mercedes. I like the styling. I love mm-hmm. the size. Mm-hmm. Easy to park. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. easy it's to a park. Good size, yeah. But in nowhere in your email am I hearing track days and racing and true. high speed. True, true, yeah, yeah. Not hearing that. Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing, I'm going to be putting miles on. Mm-hmm. We just want you to have a nice place to sit and be and interact and phone calls are coming in and I've got to get to my next appointment. Where is that? And I've got to pull up a map and yeah, is there traffic yeah, yeah. and what's the weather doing? And well, it's not weather, but anyway, you know what I mean? <laughs> is the weather the same as it was the last 10 days? Yes, it is. Thank <laughs> like you Phoenix. for letting me know. It's the yeah. future. There's no weather. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. You need to really look hard at this car. If it's not for you, it's not for you. Sure, sure, but sure. Nevertheless, I want that feeling for you. So go drive one. I like it. It's a very good car. I, that, I hadn't gone there. That's a very good recommendation. I really do like that. I've got a few here that range. I do think the Mustang has to go. I'm sorry to say that. I'm glad that you've loved it. I think the Mustang has to go. I thought about all kinds of things. Because I was thinking about L.A. L.A. really affects this discussion in a big, big way. It does. For a split second, I thought he likes to rock climb. He wants to put stuff in it. He doesn't want it to be precious. You can get a Crosstrek for half your budget. Sure. Not worry about it. Sure. But I don't know that's nice enough. And it's also not that dynamic. That's what I thought. The interesting thing about this is this is a crazy side note. One of the reasons we originally knew all of our shoot locations when we started the show is because I lived in L.A. and I was a rock climber. Mm-hmm. And most of the good rock climbing places were up amazing roads. So when we started shooting for the show, I just took us to locations that I already knew exactly where to stand because I've been up this road a 100 times because yeah, right. I've been shooting it. I've been driving it to climb, and now I'm driving it to shoot. Right, right, right. So there's a lot of great climbing areas in Southern California that are down great roads. So having a car that has some dynamics I think you're actually going to want but then we okay. contrast that okay. with you need a little bit of space, so it's not just a small sports car. Yeah, yeah. It needs to be automatic and it needs to handle traffic. Yes. And by the way, you're going to buy a longboard. Now, yeah. roof, roof rack. racks are your yeah. friend. It's not the deciding factor, but I, I'm thinking about all these things. So I landed on two for very different reasons, okay? Okay. One of them, it has sign of the muscle car feel you've had. But if you want to sit in traffic, you want to do smart cruise control with full stop and go in traffic in your automatic. Okay. Or you want to hoon it down a back road. It will do both. Okay. And it can carry your longboard. Kia Stinger GT. I think that's a really viable option for you. Such a great car. You get it with the the good uh, V6 in it. Powerful. Oh, yeah. Good presence. You could buy one brand new, load it up with your budget. You buy one brand new. You could put tons of miles on Money it, left but, over. But when you wind up on the back roads, going wherever, you're going to have a great time. Oh, yeah. You're going to be surprised at how fun it is to drive. You might even be able to get your longboard in the back. I think your bike's going to go. It sounds like you and your girlfriend are small people. The, one of the only critiques I have with the, spot, the size on that is if you're big people, you can't get in the back very easily. Okay. But I don't think that's an issue for you guys. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. So that's probably okay. So that's one. And then the only other way I went, and you're going to be one of a thousand, is the Model 3. Really? I think a Model 3 really? works here. Now, I don't know how many miles you put on your car in a day, but still, that car's pushing 250 uh, in range And anyway. it's around flat LA. Exactly. Exactly right. You're going to get a lot of distance in that. They sell good roof racks. Now, I don't, I don't know enough... The only one we haven't driven yet is the Model Y, and it's been out like 30 seconds. Yeah. So maybe the Model Y, if you wanted to get a little more space, maybe. But I think the Model 3, they're out there. You can get them for your budget. It's a perfect commute car in L.A. It is. It's, it's executive it is. enough for everything you need to do. But yet, you want to throw uh, – so I've seen, I've seen Teslas doing everything in L.A. You want to throw a board on the roof rack on the top. You want to throw a uh, – Ocelot in the back, whatever you're doing, okay. <laughs> I don't know why it's that came. Ocelot mind. transport, it's great. <laughs> if we're talking snakes, we got to have like some the some, snake some counterpoint. There you go. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, Model Three and a roof rack is a great answer here, as is the Kia Stinger. I know those are very different. I think the the uh, <clears throat> autonomous driving. You can't see my air quotes. I hope you can hear them. The autonomous driving in the Model Three is is excellent for LA. Stop and go. <laughs> For LA. But the, yes. the stop and go in the Kia Stinger is good as well. So I don't think you're going to feel like you're missing out. But that's got a lot of tech. You'd embrace the tech in that. So those mm-hmm. are my two, Kia Stinger or Model 3. Got some decisions to make, Chris. And uh, looking forward to hearing what you've got. If you uh, have your own car conclusion, 
a debate like Chris's or any debate, we'd love to hear from you. Topic Tuesday, whatever, Everyday Driver TV at gmail.com or on the website. Again, I'm going to start this up again. When you're perusing the pilgrimage trip and you yes. go to the website and you look at adventures, Join and us. you think, it's going to be awesome. I'm signing up, mm-hmm. then go over to the right side under the contact button or under the about tab is the contact button you can say. Mm-hmm. Email the guys, syndicates the same place. When we're searching for cars for this show or for our own crazy obsession, our searches always start with AutoTempest. Instead of searching each car site separately, you can enter all your parameters into AutoTempest one time and search them all at once. With AutoTempest, you can enter your search one time and see results from Cars.com, TrueCar, eBay, and many more. Or you can jump to Craigslist, AutoTrader, or CarGurus without entering anything new. They just added a link to Facebook Marketplace, too. Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the entire country. So if you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease as we always are, head to autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Moving on to questions. Some good ones here today. I'm starting with Seth Kleinman. Okay. Who says he's going to keep asking. Maybe one <laughs> day we'll answer. Too. I saw this too. Today is that day. Yep. He's thinking about moving from a 987.2 Cayman to a 996 Carrera. Assuming IMS has been addressed, ignoring tech like Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. Is this move an upgrade, a downgrade, or a lateral move? Mm. First of all, it really depends on what you want to do with a car. I don't know if you're tracking, but I'm going to just assume right now based on the information, and that is just daily. You know, just a lot of daily use and enjoyment, maybe track here and there. I'm Cayman guy, Seth. I'm Cayman guy. Oh, you are. Yeah. I love Caymans. I, don't get me wrong. I love 911s, and I will own a 911 in my life of some year, of mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. something. I want the new turbo, the 992 turbo. It's so great. <laughs> so much power. It's so great. It's gotten quite big. Oh, it's so great. It's too big for me. I but can't okay. wait to drive it. Yeah. But I'm Cayman guy. Mm-hmm. And as good as that 996 is... I think the dynamics of the 987.2 that you apparently currently have are better. I agree with that. I don't even think it's debatable. They're better. I don't even think it's debatable. So the only thing you can do is go to next Cayman. Yes. Really? That's a, that's a superb upgrade. But honestly, I would also say watch our generations of the Cayman piece. Yes. I think you'd also possibly enjoy, depending on what you're doing budget wise. I think you'd enjoy a 718 as well. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Where you want to go, yeah. Because let's keep the Cayman cost low. If he's going to newer, let's keep it low. Let's keep it in the mm-hmm. base 718. Mm-hmm. I think you'd still dig it. New yeah. chassis. Yeah. But what's different than my 981 Cayman is that rawness of yours is still now present. It's sort of back. Porsche brought it back. Why can't Porsche do numbers sequentially like the rest of the world? I don't they know. clearly have intelligent people that understand math. They use turbo anyway, as a marketing term. They now, do. It's, it's, it's a free for all. Grinds my teeth. Endlessly, but Seth, I, I totally agree with this. I'm thinking either stay where you are mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. save your money for the next blank, fill in the blank. But ultimately, stay in Cayman Land. I I think I, I talked about it on 50 Years of 911, and granted, I admit that I'm not the Porsche guy of the two of us, in spite of the fact I bring them up a lot. I would I generally <laughs> caveat, prefer caveat. the Cayman over the 911. Period. It is the yeah. better chassis. I I just I prefer driving it. I love the mid-engine feel of it. And we've driven all the 911s. Yes, okay? and of 911s, the two chassis beyond that are the ones I'd have. I'd rather have the 997 or the 991 or now the 992. I'd I, rather have those chassis. Yeah. Not the 996. Like, even though the 996 is great, it's the 911. I like the nine the 997 more than the uh, the 996. Uh, sorry, let me you know let me let me back out for a second. Math just a second. Hard. Just a second. The 996 chassis is the unloved egg-shaped headlights, spoiled egg headlights from like 99 to 04, okay? The 997 is 05 to 2012. Just to give you frame of reference for those of you who don't speak Porsche chassis because I am among you most of the time, okay? You're getting pretty good at it. Here's what I would say. If you're looking for a different experience in Porsche world, I say go classic, Go 80s 911. Agreed. Agreed. Go just, just jump back to the 80s Carreras. It's a very different feel. Yeah. If you're talking about semi-modern Porsches, Cayman's the play. Yeah. I really believe that it is. Yeah. I think that's the better yeah. choice. I don't think the, I think the 996 is a downgrade. I agree with you on that. Jeffrey Yu said he just purchased a uh, Mazda 3, 2017 mm. Mazda 3, mm. and he discovered it was made in Mexico and not Japan, and now he's scared of it. What do we feel about the quality? I honestly think you've got nothing to worry about, Jeffrey. Nothing to worry about. I, I, I wouldn't think about it twice. What's, what's very common is that a lot of cars in North America from brands that are outside the U.S. happen to be built in Mexico. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think twice. We're a big fan. We've driven Mazda threes built all over the place, and we recommend them like crazy. And they typically just run. Well, think about the engineering, Jeffrey, and the engineers who are in charge of the putting together of cars. There's the engineers who engineer the part, but then there's the engineers who have to make all those parts into an assembly. Mm-hmm. That that's another team, and so those folks are ensuring that whoever is the person working, it doesn't matter your age or your abilities or your strength, Mm -hmm. generally speaking, to be able to assemble that part properly. Yeah. Fine. I've been to car factories and I've seen teenagers, late teenagers and early people early in their twenties installing wiring harnesses and, Mm -hmm. you know, other tech jobs, whatever that is. And I've seen, you know, folks, a lot older than that, we'll say, mm-hmm. like towards the end of their career, doing the same job. So it doesn't matter. They have to sort of calculate for that. Whoever the person is, they need to know the steps of how to install that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it. And the way the part is engineered is so quality that it will match up. It will align and things will be mm-hmm. consistent because mm-hmm. that's what the beauty of modern manufacturing and production lines have brought to us is mm-hmm. the consistency. Now, I do admit there's there's inconsistencies throughout cars. I do sure, admit that. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. It, that is a thing. But for the most part, that's especially Mazda. I mean, come on. Mazda stuff's I, great. I'm thinking there's no problem. Yeah. Let's have the discussion. Honda's built in Ohio. Nissan's built in Tennessee. Yes. Toyota's built in Texas, and BMW's built in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. How do? Well, does it have a German feel? Yeah, those BMWs that we drove that were built in South Carolina. As German feeling as they come. Their, their How is that SUVs possible? SUVs going worldwide are coming out of the U.S. Yes. Yes. The ones that are sold in Germany that aren't built in Germany are built in South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They feel like German cars. That's How is that point. possible? That's a fair point. Sharif S. is asking me, pointed at me, says, speaking of that turbocharged Miata <laughs> a few podcasts ago, mm-hmm. maybe I was thinking of the Mazda Speed. Maybe that's why I said it. He's curious as to why I didn't seem to be a huge fan of the Mazda Speed Miata. Having had one for 11 years, he's a fan. Mm -hmm. Seemed when we drove it a long time ago, Todd was having more fun. I was. He's asking because I was so excited about a modest power upgrade in the current Miata. I think it was the chassis. I like small, but Mm -hmm. I I need the power. And yes, the Mazda Speed from 05... Mm -hmm. Has that power. It, does. it is a turbo. They it's did build that. Really spools up late, but it is very good, yeah. I actually was would like to mention one thing, and, and my mention of the current turbo Miata that doesn't exist, maybe mm-hmm. it was more of a, a a shove towards Mazda because we love them so much. Maybe it was a, just an encouragement. <laughs> explain, if explain, I explain, say explain, it enough, explain. maybe funny. it'll become reality. Very funny. I, I'm with you. I like the power upgrade. I've never loved the NB Miatas. They they feel too small. They don't feel I don't like fit, a real car. Yeah. Car. I don't fit in them. Yeah. And if I don't fit, Todd's not going to fit. Yeah. I mean, we're the same height, but our spines are different height. I think you have clearly. I have one extra vertebrae more vertebrae or something. Or yeah. something mm-hmm. One or two. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, who knows? But it just. I'm part owl. Yeah. I, yeah. Right. My my leg space, the the seating position itself, didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't comfortable. Conversely, I'm actually comfortable in an Elise. Todd's comfortable Fair. in an Elise. Fair. Yeah. It's tiny, but the seating position is so key They've done it right, to yeah. your driving enjoyment mm-hmm. and operation of the car. That That's what prevented me from liking it. Mm-hmm. So I chose the Z3 that we were driving at the time, and I liked that a lot better. Yeah, yeah, Still yeah. small, but I liked the, the feeling of solidity, mm-hmm. and I love that German engineering, and I love that, yeah, there's more weight involved, but I, I liked that feeling better. And I think that's what I was alluding to. I also think that speaking about the new one, the, the, watch our piece where we drive that in the winter. It's episode six of season six. Uh, it's now kind of available everywhere, so that's good. But watch watch that because the big thing that's interesting about the engine upgrade and the current, the ND, which is fourth generation Miata, is that it isn't about the power upgrade because the torque stays the same. The personality of the engine, the way it interacts with you, the way it is willing to interact and give up its power is revolutionized. Mm-hmm. And that's it's not the power bump as much as it is just its eagerness, for lack of a better way to put it, that that has really changed things. So definitely uh, look into that because we, we do thoroughly enjoy it. I liked the Mazda Speed. I just, I just don't fit. Mm-hmm. Greg, maybe on one of your feet. <laughs> Greg Evans has a really interesting question we can unpack for a while. I'm going to try to go quickly. He says he knows, obviously, we like great cars, sports cars, great roads, little stuff. But what about the other end of the spectrum? If we had money, no object... We, mm-hmm. we won't make this a topic Tuesday. If we had money, no object, what would we own that was not being bought for speed or handling? Oh. And then he says, oh. 
while we're at it, so it's like a comfort utility car. What would we own? Money, no mm. object. And then he says, while we're dealing with it, what about what would be our dream car for lemons? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to answer two. Lemons, honestly, I would love to have a Fiero <laughs> stripped out, fully stripped out, with an interesting engine swap in the back. I'm telling you, that North Star V8. To actually take a Fiero chassis, which I'm sure you got for like a dollar and a half or a stick of gum no, or they something. they paid you to take it Possibly. away. But then this is when we're talking money, no object. Because here's the problem with lemons. It's a $500 car buy-in, but now you got to put all the race stuff on it, so it's not a $500 car anymore. And now if you want to have fun and make a crazy car, that's a lot of money. If I had the money to just pay somebody to do the crazy build, I would essentially try to get somebody to make the best possible race car out of a Fiero with an engine that it, nobody ever dreamed of. Oh, yeah. That would be very funny. Yeah. And then race it as a lemons car because why not? That'd be ridiculous. But, okay, two others. Okay. For the sheer utility, the sheer comfort, I wish there was a new Phaeton. I mean, there was. It, mm-hmm. it kept going for a little while after yeah. your 06, 04 to 06 they model. They made them like 2013 in Europe. Yeah, They just yeah, didn't yeah. bring them to the U.S. So, so they did would, continue, but you're saying even now. Let's I'd be shopping that now. kind of thing, okay? Mm-hmm. The, the upper-level S-classes, the Bentleys, the really loaded-out A8s, that kind of stuff. Because the Phaeton has taught me personally, and I've always enjoyed it when we've had them briefly, but it's taught me from a daily perspective the value of having that – just vault that mm. you drive around in that has you know heated and cooled and massaged everything and it's just a nice <laughs> respite place to be that is very cool and and i did not buy the phaeton or nor do i enjoy the phaeton for its handling and power i enjoy it for everything else about it which is very cool but i will say this i'm going to stand on it my money no object car that i would buy just to have to do a certain job but it's ridiculous for that job is i would buy a ferrari ff as my winter car oh yeah i want yeah, a ferrari ff yeah I want that because it's part luxury car. It's Ferrari, and I get to put a roof rack on it, and I get to drive that all winter. Let's do more of that if I'm dreaming. Funny. I love it. All right. Cars and Comments asks if we have any guests scheduled, and who would we like to have as a guest on the podcast? Well, as a matter of fact, I'm glad you asked because we do have scheduled, coming very shortly, McKeel mm-hmm. Haggerty. Mm-hmm who is the son of the founder of Haggerty, who you've heard is one of our brand newest sponsors, and we're just thrilled to partner with them. But we wanted to have McKeel on because he is the namesake, Mm -hmm. and I want him to come on and talk about cars to us. And so that is going to happen. Talk about his love of cars and his background in cars, for sure. But what's also happening is after that, for all the the aspects of the Haggerty business that are sort of dive down into the minutia and what is this business and what mm-hmm. is this business that the differences we want to have those specialists on in subsequent podcasts yeah, yeah, to yeah. really explain and understand because people know Haggerty as car insurance, but well, we want to dive deeper into each of the areas that they cover. We'll start with, we are still learning all the ways that they're pretty cool and actually ended up being kind of an accidentally perfect match for us. So we want to kind of share that. It's definitely happening. We've got some other ideas for, uh, for people, hopefully from uh, car makers that may be on. We'll see. We're, we're, we're fighting for some stuff behind the scenes. We'll it. see what actually happens as we fight through. Gabriel has a question where he says, okay, what do you think about buying? Remember when we started this podcast, Mikey was saying how terrified he is when we recommend the E90 series BMW. Mm-hmm. Gabriel's here to answer that. He says, what do we think about a 19-year-old buying an old E90 BMW, manual or automatic. Not M3? Uh, just E90. just says E90 BMW. Okay. Not okay. M3, theoretically. Okay. He says, thanks and cheers from Quebec. Uh, okay, a couple of things. The M3 is awesome. It has that Absolutely. big, thirsty V8 that has, I forget right now, but the V8 has a known issue. Of course it does. Sure, sure. But all of them do. Uh, I would actually say to you, here's what you should do, Gabriel. Get yourself the 335IS. That's the play isn't with it? the turbo. You've got yeah. plenty of money. Uh, yeah, that's that's fairly affordable. They're like eighteen to twenty grand right now. They're a greatest hits car out of that that generation. Now, granted, that is an E ninety two. That is a coupe chassis, but I think that'd be really cool. It's just really depend. Here's the thing. Um, I've said this before. We're living it now with our crazy sedans. If you buy a, I'm just going to make up a number, a ninety thousand dollar car for ten thousand dollars, or for thirty thousand dollars, bravo. Okay. We, we applaud you. Okay. Keep in mind, headspace-wise, when you get that car worked on, it's a $90,000 car. So in your case, BMW, you're going to buy a forty-five, dollars $50,000 uh-huh. BMW for twenty. You're maintaining a $50,000 car Yeah. with, yeah. depending upon its mileage, major service intervals coming up where there's a big, long list of, i got to change all that, which you really should. 
Mm-hmm. So as long as you can tolerate those realities, and I wouldn't even necessarily shop it and be concerned about the reliability, be concerned about the maintenance. What is it going to cost to maintain this as it needs to be maintained? If you can do that as a 19-year-old and you can handle the insurance, bravo. All right. Bradley J. 1983 asks if we've ever camped in one of those rooftop truck bed tents. He says, why am I so fascinated by these things? As are you, Paul. I totally am. <laughs> I totally want the right setup, and every year we go to SEMA, and some manufacturer does some version. You know, here's our take on that yeah. that glorified, you know, straight out of a marketing campaign adver- advertisement. Buy this car, you'll be, you know, you've got the hot girl, and you're going to be sleeping in the rooftop tent, and you're <laughs> two perfect dogs, and the sun's just setting as you crack the drink, and uh-huh. oh, it's life is perfect. I lose Paul on this floor for like an hour. And I I'm go, just I go wandering around like. Yeah. Well, huh, that's kind of cool. Didn't know they made one of those. That's nice. You looked at the drawers on this one? Yeah, we have these conversations. I never knew I needed one of these. No, I haven't. (laughs) Yes, I would. And more than 8%, 8% of me is the monster trucks and the big lifted trucks. True. It it gets old quickly, but I'm like, wow. I could be a child. People can make those. Mm -hmm. Huh. But then I quickly lose interest and move yes, over to the those new Patriot campers. Uh-huh. The ca- everything is in one camper, and you open that flap, and the grill slides out, and then the uh-huh. stove slides out over here, and then it's a cutting board, and oh, look, it's a big oven. The big, huge clearance oh, trailers that you can so pull anywhere cool. on the planet, too. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. I want. That's the new in thing is these huge off-road camper, the trailers <laughs> that you don't ride in, but they unfold yeah. into this huge origami shape, yeah. and that is base camp. Such a good idea. It's got yeah. a generator in it. And a, it's very and cool. And that folds out, and that's a tent. And We talked know. about adventure earlier on this oh, podcast. So that's how to cool. do it, for sure. So cool. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. I really do appreciate them. Keep asking. We, yeah. We're still working through some of our backlog on social media as well. But I uh, really hope you're doing well, and we're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.